This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Derek Dyson. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson and Michael Edgeley for our weekly podcast spun off from the main show where we go through the highlights of the past week, our teams and moments of the week and plenty more. Derek, um, mate, you're always very, very well prepared, but uh, what, what a blockbuster week it's been. I'll let you and Edge come off the long run to start. Did, did you want to have, make any remarks of, uh, of how much you've enjoyed this past week uh, just as a football uh, man and a, a supporter of, uh, of the Gunners? Well, as uh, Jonathan Wilson said in our interview earlier in the week, like it could have been a pretty pivotal weekend on a on a few different fronts, but uh, certainly seeing the the City result first up, I think that played into Arsenal's hands. They they knew what they needed to do in terms of keeping their themselves at the top of the Premier League, albeit. Manchester United, you know, emerging as a bit of a dark horse for the title. I'm sure we can go on to talk about that. But yeah, I think I described it as a, as a free hit, the North London derby. And that's uh, probably where I'm going to start for my game of the week, Rob. Yep, well, far away, mate. Well, at, at the risk of, you know, turning this into the Arsenal podcast, and <laughs> I will ask the uh, the listeners to bear with me and, and Edge on this one. I'll be interested to see if Edge is, you know, maybe for the sake of some some uh, variety in the content has maybe gone for another game, but obviously Arsenal's victory at uh, Spurs was my game of the week, not necessarily because it was a blockbuster pulsating encounter, you know, multi-goal encounter. You know, it was a 2-0 victory for the Gunners, two goals in the first half. And while um, Tottenham did huff and puff at times and did create some fantastic chances themselves only to be, thwarted by the ever-impressive uh, uh, Ramsdale in goal for Arsenal in stark contrast to, to uh, Lloris. It was a pretty, uh, most of most people have said it's been a, it was a pretty comfortable uh, routine win for Arsenal that will give Tottenham plenty to ponder about where they're at and a huge boost, uh, particularly after the draw against Newcastle, to, to go there uh, somewhere where... Arsenal haven't won for a long time and, in fact, regularly get humiliated in this game. Usually that white-hot atmosphere that the Spurs fans can create, even in their new ground, it's a pretty formidable place, a pretty unfriendly place to go as an Arsenal team. And they've uh, absolutely gone and uh, done the job, Edge. Have you got a... Any reflection? Any further reflections on this? Well, we've been sort of fairly measured in our discussions about Arsenal, haven't we, Derek? You and I choose our words carefully. We don't want to let the lid off. But I must admit, I'm in obviously in Thailand, so I'm in a better time zone. It was uh, 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. I got to watch it live, and really, um, other than Harry Kane's two headers on goal, which which Son put onto his head beautifully, you know, I, I didn't think Tottenham gave much of a yelp, and Arsenal really did play them off the park. And I must admit, for me, that that lid that Rob Gilbert refers to, he wants us to get the lid off. It's well and surely loosened, Rob, and uh, Arsenal have to do a lot wrong from this point on not to uh, take home the Premiership. And maybe these words will come home to Rooster. Who knows? There's still a long way to go, but they're in the box seat. And not only are they in the box seat, um, there has been some games this year, Derek, where we've 
got a result where we thought maybe we've been a bit lucky, but this one in particular, we, uh, Arsenal, when I say we, Arsenal played Tottenham off the park. It was uh, a good performance and that team's um, got a lot of confidence. They seem to, you know, they seem to be very uh, united in their approach and they've got a great relationship with the fans at the moment. And if you're an Arsenal fan, just enjoy this. Just enjoy it. The question that I wanted to ask both of you, as a non-partisan supporter watching it, who's effectively wiped the season from um, their own club's point of view, is watching that game, it just felt like you, you could have been watching it at the Emirates, that uh, that it, it looked like an Arsenal home game, the way that it started. That, I mean, Tottenham were on the back foot from the start. As you said, yeah, they didn't give a yelp. Um, I mean, we all know Conte is typically a defensive manager, but... Uh, Surely they've got a little more firepower to 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 get on the front foot to, and 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 make a statement on their own dung heap. Yeah, well, look, I think there's two parts to that question. I mean, firstly, Arsenal's one of the secrets to Arsenal's consistency this season has been the fact that you know they've picked more or less the same team. I think they picked the same eleven for the third game in a row. Part of that is driven by the depth of the squad or the lack of so. Um, Arteta just keeps throwing the same guys in there, but they don't they don't generally change their approach too much. They're not a Pep uh, Guardiola um, type, you know, tinkering around with the formula all the time. Arteta's just, you know, he's found his formula. We'll just keep doing it the same again. We're going to go out and try and do the same thing in every match. Whereas I think, yeah, and Spurs, they're doing the same thing in every match too, which is starting incredibly badly. Uh, the first half record this season has been atrocious. So they've managed to pull it out of the fire in second halves with some of that artillery that they have up front. But I honestly don't know the answer to the question of why Spurs come out and be so insipid. We may need to get someone on the show to talk about this. But, you know, if they can't get up for Arsenal at home, they can't get up for any game, I think. And it, traditionally, it's one where... Arsenal have been melted in the first 20 minutes by high-octane, high-tempo play. But, you know, it was all just a bit placid. And um, Conte on the sidelines, you know, he goes hot and cold too, doesn't he? I know he's a very kind of animated, you know, manager. But he looked pretty down in the dumps. And, you know, if I was a player looking at him for inspiration, you've got Arteta virtually, you know, doing the splits and handstands and, you know, testing the edge of his technical area to the absolute limits and Conte stood there with his you know a frown and his arms crossed so interesting times in North London Rob but what's your game of the week the Manchester derby so so I got home very late on on Saturday night and uh, and it was just in time to sit down and watch it and and just when you thought uh, it was going to be competitive uh, uh, Jack Grealish comes on and, and puts them in front of it was just a perfectly weighted Kevin De Bruyne across uh, uh, on on the hour and you thought okay well uh, this is this is city they're going to finish them off but uh, I, I didn't watch the second half went to sleep got up the next morning and, and watched it uh, uh, with the advantage of time, and uh, and I know we're going to talk about the the Marcus Rashford goal in more detail in a moment, so I won't get too much into that. So let's just say, you know, it was a contentious goal um, that um, that was scored uh, by Bruno Fernandez uh, in the presence of Marcus Rashford, I should say, um, uh, and uh, and 
it, it was the very the, very much in the presence of Marcus Rashford. Yes, yeah, I know. I, yes, I mean, yeah, well, but, but before we do, I know you're going to, but I'm just saying that that game of the week was was clearly for me a game changer because uh, what it does do is it sets up uh, a, a genuine if Arsenal do stumble a little on the way title race uh, uh, with uh, the likes of Manchester United, Newcastle, and City. So uh, a good back end of the season. So yeah, so. You make the point uh, very much in the way. Could you make any sense of the decision uh, that uh, going clearly he, he was involved in the play? Uh, I think I heard uh, uh, words to use that he, he sort of caressed the ball or sort of escorted the ball uh, for, for Fernandez. Um, surely it was a, an offside call every day of the week. It seems that way, Rob. Um, yeah, a very controversial decision because when you first look at it, um, it looks like he was involved. Even though he didn't touch the ball, he was involved in attempting to play the ball. Uh, you could argue that case. So, yeah, look, um, Manchester City fans have a lot to be disappointed about that decision. But, gee, it's a game of football and mistakes happen uh, and sometimes referees make them. And, uh, you know, I think a lot's been made of that. But uh, Manchester United, for me, were the better side, especially in the second half. And... Um, you know, that's an incredible, um, you know, we were wondering how Ten Hag would go and, uh, you, you know, you've, you've talked about it there, but uh, that club is, uh, again, looking like they've turned the corner and, um, you know, there'll be a power again and and the Manchester derbies, which have been up until this point a pretty insipid for the last few years, will be games to not miss ever again uh, over the next little while for sure. Edgy, are you looking forward to seeing Val Veghorst leading the line for Manchester United? Yes, I am looking forward to that. <laughs> An interesting signing. I know they were, um, I know they were linked with Arnautovic, and that seemed like a very bizarre signing. But I think what it is indicative of is that you know United, unlike Chelsea, you know who are just going out and stealing all of Arsenal's transfer targets and spending an awful lot of money. Manchester United finally are buying players based on a system. And a structure and a way of playing. And yes, if it is a 30-year-old, 34-year-old Arnautovic, if it's about Veghorst, if Ten Hag thinks, yes, this is the piece of the puzzle that I need to, to get a certain system going. If I was a Manchester United fan, yes, Veghorst isn't exactly getting my pulse racing. But um, I'm also, I'm heartened that they're actually making strategic signings as opposed to just looking at the BBC transfer gossip column and trying to work out what their strategy is from there, which seems to be the Chelsea one. But Rob, I'm going to go down to the bottom of the table for my team of the week, if I can jump in. Hang on, could I have my game of the week first? Oh, Edge, sorry, mate. I thought, I thought you were going the with the Gunners. I thought, I thought it was unanimous Gunners all the way. Yeah, no, 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 because only because Rob stole my game of the week, Manchester United City, I have to bring up the fact that uh, my B choice for game of the week, knowing that you were going to choose uh, the Gunners win over Tottenham, was definitely Brighton's 3-0 demolition. Of mm-hmm. Liverpool. I'm surprised it wasn't your A choice. Well, I mean... Against you, our B side. You said you have uh, given up on the season. It looks like uh, not only you, Rob, it looks like Liverpool have given up on the season as well. I mean... Wow, they have, um, you know, they've, um, you know, Brighton's having a good year, but I must admit I didn't expect that to happen, Derek. But hold up, hold our thoughts here because we might be able to return to Klopp in our final. Uh, oh, surely not. Final in the hot in the hot topic. We'll get, the hot we'll, topic. Okay. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get we'll get there. Um, okay, go to your team of the week. Go to your team of the week, Derek. Team of the week. Look, I'm going down. I'm staying in England. Uh, it's all England for me this week. Um, I'm actually going for Southampton. Um, Southampton are still bottom of the Premier League, but they're now 
three teams on 15 points now, and including Everton, West Ham, Bournemouth on 16. And you can go up as high as Leeds United into 17 points. And that, that takes us up to, to fourth in the table. Um, and they beat Everton 2-1. Uh, and that, that was a massive result. Another six-pointer. Everton seemed to be in a lot of those uh, at the moment. And uh, two amazing goals from James Ward-Prowse. I think he's only two free kicks now from uh, behind David Beckham's all-time Premier League record. It's basically a guaranteed goal if this guy gets anything inside 25 yards on a in a left position. He's gonna he's gonna score. Um, but they also beat City in the League Cup this week. They beat Palace in the FA Cup this week too. So Southampton and Nathan Jones have gone from looking down what looked like a pretty miserable season and and Jones under pressure before he's even really started in the job to all of a sudden they're going good in the two competitions they've beaten a relegation rival there's not a lot of good news around for Southampton but they're my they're my team of the week guys fantastic my team of the week as I'm over here the AFF Cup winners they're back-to-back titles for Thailand um, this the great thing about the AFF Cup or the you know the uh, the old Tiger Cup that was re- recently called was the fact that uh, they played over home and away leagues they played group games over home and away leagues semi-finals and finals over home and away leagues and uh, last Thursday night uh, in uh, Hanoi, uh, it was a 2-2 draw after Thailand went behind early in the game and then Thailand won 1-0 on Monday night uh, in Bangkok and uh, I got out to it and uh, the place Tamasat Stadium out at the university was well and truly jumping and talk about get your nose in front and park the buses which I did for the entire second half including a uh, time-wasting double yellow card in stoppage time uh, to their goalkeeper. It was uh, all happening and uh, the ties were very happy. It's a great format, the AWF Cup. Um, it really showcases the local sides. Played in January of every year. It uh, really sets football alight. And football at the National Federation level here in Southeast Asia, I've made the point before, is well and truly jumping because they all know they're in the hunt for a World Cup spot. That's exactly the question I was about to ask you, Ed. So, so uh, is that... Uh um, dialogue happening um, regularly that that the, the the nations who up until now really didn't give themselves or realistically didn't have uh, much of a chance of, of qualifying and now now feel that they're a genuine uh, contender. Absolutely. So teams like Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, um, they had very slim prospects of uh, qualifying for the World Cup under the. Uh, the format that we're used to. Now, this new format, there's eight and a half spots going to Asia. They're in right in the hunt. They're no guarantee, but they're in the hunt. So it means that they're going to be deep into qualification. They're going to get not only, uh, you know, these games they play against their local rivals are incredible atmospheres, but at last they're going to get regular games against Australia, you know, South Korea, um, you know, Japan, and, and that'll really test them, obviously. Um, and they look, it's... All of those nations, Southeast Asia football, Indonesia too, they've got to be in the hunt. They are all on fire in terms mm-hmm. of the growth and all the key metrics around the sport, television, viewing audiences, mm-hmm. bums on seats. We also should make a mention probably in the in one of the main shows about uh, the, the court case in Indonesia on the, the fans that were sadly killed in that stampede directly <clears> too. But uh, ultimately, football in this region is well and truly alive and uh, and all of the media dialogue and the fans, all they can talk about is, are we going to make the World Cup? And I think it's just, uh, uh, I mean, we've, 
argued against the format change, but the format's change for places uh, like where I am at the moment uh, uh, have given a, a, a real injection to the sport, and uh, and I think that's a good thing overall. No, 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 I've been a huge fan of it for a long time now, and and on that point you make about the uh, the, the stadium disaster, I mean, look, if we're prepared to, to give the better part of four decades of coverage to Hillsborough, then we're entitled to cover this uh, this story with uh, uh, as, as much detail as it warrants in, in the uh, the medium term edge, so we'll definitely get somebody on to talk about uh, uh, the latest uh, upshot from there. Uh, my team of the week, though, uh, I'm going to uh, La Liga, where I don't often uh, tread, and, and that is uh, the El Clasico from the weekend, the Super Copper. Uh, Barcelona are changing of the guard. Edge, you had them out of world football at one point. I mean, you were about to shut them down, mate, but uh, the next thing, uh, uh, Xavi and Pedri turn up, 18 and 20-year-old respectively, uh, uh, stars of the show, uh, and the the ageing midfielder uh, duo of Tony Kroos and, uh, and Luka uh, Modric, uh, nowhere to be found. So uh, Barcelona, it, it looked like they were out the back door at one point, and, uh, you know, you... Uh, I think, what was that American president's uh, famous line that the reports of their death had been mildly exaggerated? Uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I did see one of the news headlines, Barcelona, you know, the, their first silverware in more than two years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I must admit, I thought that they were going about the back door. I thought their deal where they sold some of their equity for future television rights, I thought was a complete joke. But having said all of that... Um, Barcelona back in the headlines for a local domestic cup win. What about you, Derek? Your team of the week? I oh, know he's already done his team of the week. You're not paying attention. Is he? We're under the hot topic. No, here, well, aren't we? We, we can do quickly do moment of the week. Um, we, we, we was actually planned as Rashford, but we've kind of covered that, and we did we did talk to Jonathan Wilson about this a bit during the main show as well, but. I know that uh, Edge loves uh, Mitrovic at Fulham, and Fulham do. doing a great job. Really? Still doing, still doing a great job. They lost the first game in a little while to Newcastle, and part of the reason for that was poor old Mitrovic. I don't know if you saw his penalty, uh, Edge, but the double-footed penalty where he stood up to take it. To be fair, Newcastle were gouging the shit out of the penalty <laughs> spot, so not surprised that the big man slipped over, but. Yeah, it was it was a very unfortunate um, event for for him and for Fulham and potentially for Arsenal because it gave Newcastle a very vital victory too. So, little word on Mitrovic for that slip. Very unlucky there. I think it was the the Guardian Football Weekly pod where uh, I can't remember who it was that said it. Derek, you might be able to help me out here, but he said it looked like it took a deflection, but there was nowhere there was no one for it to deflect from. You got to cut him some slack. He has been one of the superstars of of uh, English football uh, over the last couple of years. We love Mitrovic. Mm. We just want to keep pumping his tyres up just because the big man slipped over, albeit Mm. it was a pretty crucial error. Yeah, I've got a brief moment of the week, and it's not the the fact that Mudrich uh, signed up with uh, Chelsea uh, under the nose of Arsenal, um, because I know you two uh, weren't particularly happy with that. I think Derek had you had an interesting take on on, on Chelsea's uh, 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 strategy of, uh, of of just watching what Arsenal do and copying them and uh, trying to steal players that Arsenal have got their sights on. But uh, uh, the story for me was uh, shocked that Donetsk president uh, Renat Ametov uh, has pledged to donate twenty two million pounds to the Ukrainian war effort following the transfer. So so the uh, we, we ought to get um, 
the our, our Ukrainian correspondent on uh, again to talk about this in a little more detail. But uh, the uh, the Ukrainian uh, football uh, community has been absolutely reamed by FIFA as a result of decisions that were made uh, uh, as a in light of of the war, and uh, it's um, it, it yeah, a really positive um, uh, decision from the president of a club who's who's backset at the wall. Derek, you uh, have anything uh, on that? Well, it's a well, it's a well-known phrase, Rob, that you do not negotiate with terrorists and Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, <laughs> that they, they are notorious <laughs> in their hard-headedness around getting the absolute maximum transfer fee for each player, and, and why why not? Uh, particularly in the dire straits that that they not able to play in their home. Uh, area or stadium and they've got their their big player and i i just hope chelsea know what they're doing you know they've now got about 20 forwards so you know plenty of plenty of plenty of people are going to be unhappy in that in that chelsea squad but yeah fair enough to Shakhtar. that's a great positive spin to spin it away from uh you know that maybe that you know the kind of not the greed angle but obviously haggling for the best price but we're just for the hot topic this is one for everybody uh it's the um the sack race i think uh this weekend a few managers are, are potentially reaching and looking at their cv and, and updating updating their cvs i'll just uh go to edge uh the question without notice edge i'll just say some names uh lampard uh moyes Rogers, uh, Rogers and I might even uh, throw Potter in there as well. Who who is the person that should be dusting their CV off at the moment? If any, well, well, mate. Look, as much as I don't want to say this because I know Tim Carroll's involved at Everton uh, at a very senior level, but Lampard may be the one. Ten defeats in thirteen matches for Frank Lampard. A horrible time for them losing to Southampton. I think I, I think it's the recruiting too has been mm. yeah, their off season it was terrible and um you know they're you know they're reaping the rewards of that you know just don't think that uh you know that'll be two clubs where he's had difficulties did you hear Derek the suggestion that um that West Ham should sack Moyes now um and let him go to Everton and get sacked again so they can reappoint him to save their season at the back end well Moyes, you know, he's picked up a point in the last seven games. They are in all sorts of trouble as well. And West Ham don't want to be in this part. No one wants to be in this part of the table, but particularly West Ham and, Not and, and their owners. And I think Moyes, you know, could be a good fit to go back up to Everton. I mean, it's a club he's had success with before. Uh, Everton need a boot up the bum. And I think Moyes is the sort of manager that can that can do that. But I'd say that, uh, him and him and Lampard are definitely amongst the favourites, I would say. And uh, look, Brendan Rodgers five defeats in a row in the Premier League. It was looking a lot, a lot. It was looking promising before the World Cup, but then the World Cup happened. Madison gets injured, and that is not good form. Uh, they're really plummeting down the table. Uh, Leicester City, and you just feel like the dying fragments of that team that won the league uh you know Vardy really the only guy there left now and you know he's been getting a lot of stick for his recent performances too it could be all over Red Rover and some some regeneration uh required at, at, at Leicester too um Rob uh, Potter Klopp you know well let's see you're talking about it, well, I, well I think um obviously Potter um, if uh if um 
uh, under a different regime, he had it been there, he would have been long, well and truly gone. But uh, it is interesting. Like Jurgen Klopp is not going to get sacked. We we know that that's not going to happen. Uh, Liverpool will stabilise at some point, and uh, and there are cups still to, to be competed for and, and won. And he, he's uh, he's got enough brownie points. He's won everything there is to win so far. So he uh, he might not necessarily go out on his own terms if this uh, uh, run of poor form continues into another season. But right now he's uh, he's safe. But the very fact that he's in the conversation isn't that that indictment on the way that football's pendulum swings so quickly that uh, that you know there 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 were uh, a handful of managers internationally who looked like they were locked in for as long as they wanted to stay and he was one of them but uh, the very fact that he's got to come out and uh, and make statements like either the manager's position changes or a lot of things are going to change um, as far as I'm concerned unless someone tells me to go I will not go but they are words that I would never thought I would have heard him utter while he was at Anfield. You're glad you're not a football manager, Edge? Well, <laughs> depends how much money you get when you get sacked. But um, <laughs> I mean, some of the guys that have been sacked have earned more money from their sackings than they have in uh, salaries. But absolutely. Hey, my hot topic of the week is that the apartment building that I'm in, uh, I've made an inquiry to uh, secure some security footage because I went A over T playing four aside with a local mm. street kids. And uh, it wasn't pretty, Rob. Edge. I would love to see that, mate. That would go viral well, on YouTube. There's an official stewards inquiry to get that uh, security footage erased. My car park <laughs> there is uh, in my car park. Uh, there's a lot of empty space, and the street kids get in there and play four aside with some uh, uh, clever uh, empty water bottles that they've tied up into a ball. Um, you hadn't been giving the vodka a nudge, had you? No, 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 none of that, Rob. I've been off that. But uh, can I tell you? Can I tell you that normally I hold down the defensive post very well, but mm. on this occasion I did slip and uh, went over T. And uh, if that footage ever arises, look out! My God, <laughs> Edge. On that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, Derek, you... Ella, no, one last one. What about Ella yeah. Mastri, uh, Sorry, Ella Antonio has been suspended for three weeks in the W League. And Emma Ralston, uh, two weeks. Uh, Ella put a, a pretty v- a vicious uh, tackle on Emma, who got up and headbutted Ella. Uh, there's some words exchanged. So, why did Ella get three weeks and why did Emma get two weeks? Uh, I don't really mm-hmm. know. The hot topic around the women's football is they'd like to know what words were exchanged in that conversation that the referee might have overheard, Rob. All right. Well, I know Willem's listening in the background. So, uh, make a note of that, mate, and uh, report on it for us next week. All right, Edge, that'll do for the week. Enjoy uh, the rest of your day in Bangkok. Thank you. Avoid the straight kids. I will. Derek, thank I, you. I thought it was fun. No problem, gents. Good one. Yeah, well done. And Damo, thank you as well. Make sure you subscribe to box to box Stoppage Time and Offside, wherever you get your podcasts. Tweet us at box to box nts and follow us on Twitter. Make sure you like us on Facebook and please leave us a review on whether podcast catch out you like so we can sort of just gradually creep up those ratings and join us next week or throughout the week, I should say, as our podcasts drop. And we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.